This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 7 is where we'll begin today. We believe in this, here in this house that, that God wants you to be saved. According to Romans 10, 9, and 10, according to uh, John 3, 16, we believe God wants you to be set free. Areas of your life that you may be bound, that's John 8, 32. And then again, I believe all this for everyone in here that God has purpose for us. So God's going to put some purpose in you today, and we believe God is a God who, who takes the old man and makes it new, and we'll talk about that this morning. As we get ready to start, you're going to hear me say this several times this morning, our God is always up to something good. And I believe that, and so again, I welcome you being excited about the Word of God. You are able to applaud, you're able to cheer. So we begin, Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. Now this is the Lord Jesus talking, and the very first statement he he says is, Enter by this narrow gate. But before we get to the narrow gate, let's keep reading. For wide is the gate, or, or the path, or the road, And broad is the way that leads to destruction. Wow. You know, the New Living says for the word destruction, it says it's the highway to hell. And he goes on to say, and there are many who go in by it. There are many who choose that way. Now, it's interesting. He calls this road wide and broad, easy, convenient. And it's interesting. He says there's many on it. But it's the road that leads to destruction. This road called destruction or leads to destruction, evidently it's pretty popular. And so when we go on with this, you're going to find the Lord Jesus, he only gives us two ways. We're either going to live by the narrow gate or this wide gate, this wide road. There's no other box. You may say, well, I'm going to choose none of the above. That's not an option, okay? It's either this or this. Now, look what he says here in verse 14. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way. The Amplified there says for difficult, it says it's compressed by pressure. A squeezing. Difficult is the way which leads the life, and there are only a few who find it. Now, when we talk about getting born again in salvation, that's not difficult. That's relatively easy. You ask Jesus to come into your heart, and you get born again. So the difficult part is walking out the Word of God. It's walking out being a Christian. And if it was easy, then why did he say there's only a few upon it? So when he talks about this narrow gate, this narrow road, I believe it's like this, that it's so narrow that the only way that you're going to fit through that narrow gate is allow God to be the potter. To allow God to keep on knocking off the rough edges on us. And so again, when we see this here, that it's a narrow road and it's a difficult, but it's the road that leads to life, oftentimes the reason it's a difficult road is because many times we don't want opposition. You're going to have opposition especially in our society now. You start saying you're a child of God, your, your Savior's the Lord Jesus, there's going to be opposition. Jesus had opposition, all the apostles had opposition. If you don't believe it, look how every one of them died. They died as martyrs. I'm not saying you're going to die as a martyr, okay? 
but I am saying it's going to have some opposition. Number two, in our society, we'll serve God as long as it's convenient, as long as he fits into my schedule. Number three, we want to have fun. The church has become a place of entertainmentism. Fluff me. Make me feel good about myself. I want to leave as one of the fluff sisters. Buffy and stuffy. And the third one is we want to become popular. And God's not against you becoming popular. But you're either going to be popular with the things of this world or you're going to be popular in God's eyes. And so again, when you begin to look at what the Lord Jesus said, there's a price to live on the narrow road. What is that price? Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. You know what I found out about God? You can't fit God into your box. People try. You know what I found out? Anytime I try to fit God in my box, He always gets out. You know why? Because He's God. He's the potter. I'm the clay. He's the creator. I'm the creation. Okay? And so this will help you. Now, I'm going to tell you it's going to get good today. You're going to leave here ready to go and fired up and full of God. So we begin here in Galatians 2. Now, remember, or you may not know this, the Galatians were notorious for what we call backsliding. They started out good, but they didn't always end good. And so we begin in verse 19 of Galatians 2. For I through the law, and what the law was, it was the, the, the legal side of the Word of God. It was a bunch of rules and regulations. And the thing you find out about the law, we never had the ability to fulfill it or obey it. If we could have fulfilled the law on our own, we would have done it. But we never could. So he goes on to say, For I through the law, I died to the law, that I might live to God. And so the, the law gave him no power to overcome sin. It's what it's talking about. Verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Interesting statement. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now when we read this, you can look and you can have the thought, well, if he was crucified with Christ, how could he be alive? How could he be talking about this? He said, I'm alive with Christ. I ran out of that grave. I got born again and here I am. No, what he's talking about here is I was crucified with Christ. That's the old man. That's the old nature inside of me. And so according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, when any man gets born again or gives his heart to Christ, the Bible says, you become a new creation in Christ Jesus Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new in Christ Jesus. And so what he's talking about here is that old man, that old nature, those old sin, they die, they got to go away. Now here's the thing about that old man. I can't let just a smidgen of him stay alive in my life. I can't put him in storage in my garage because what I found out about that old man is he always is trying to rise back up. He's always trying to come and play back into your life and my life. Keep reading. So he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to see something there. He said, the the life I now live in the flesh, as long as I'm on this earth, I'm going to have this thing called flesh. And my flesh has the ability to really, really act up and, and misbehave if I allow it to. And so when we begin to see here about work to die to ourselves, he's literally talking about work to die to that old nature. Work to die to our flesh. Now let me ask you a question here. Have you ever seen anybody that just partially died or died just a little bit? Now, I've done a lot of funerals in my life, and I've never walked by a casket and looked and said, you know what, he looks a little bit dead. No, what I'm telling you about is to be dead to my flesh. That means i got to kill that thing. i got to quit allowing him to come back into play. And you may say, well, I, I don't know that I'm capable of doing that. You're not capable of doing it. But Jesus in you is. We start living the life through Christ Jesus. He comes on the inside of us and he begins to help us. Now, here in verse 21, he gives us a great uh, uh, illustration on how he's going to help us. Look here in in Galatians 2.21. I do not set aside the grace of God. The the amplified in in that passage says, I I don't obey the law to obtain the things of God. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. So when we look at the grace of God, the grace of God is a gift. 2 Corinthians 12 says that God's grace is sufficient even in your weakness. So God will come on the inside of us and he'll grace us. He'll help us. Now look what it ends with. I do not set aside the grace of God for the righteousness comes through the law. Then Christ died in vain. So if we didn't need Christ to come to the earth and die for us, then his death was redundant. It never needed to happen. But we all know that's not true. We had to have a Savior. God said they're not going to be able to pull off what I desire for them to have or to be without a a Savior. So Jesus comes. And so day by day by day, I'm going to have to crucify my flesh. Because guess what? He likes to come back day by day by day by day. And so what happens is we begin to ask God, Father God, I ask you to grace me today. Grace me today to live for you. Grace me today, Father God. And it's that simple, I believe, when we give God an invitation to grace us. The acronym for grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. I'm going to date myself a little bit, and I'm going to date many of you in this room with this analogy here. How many of you remember Pipe-Eye the Sailor Man? How many of you in here don't have a clue who Pipe-Eye the Sailor Man is? There's a few. That's okay. I kind of thought he would date me. Well, Pi was this sailor. And Pi wasn't a very big man, and he wasn't very strong until he ate spinach. Now, when you would go back and watch Pi Pi, he could get mad and frustrated. But man, when he ate, he ate spinach, his forearms looked like the Credible Hulk. <laughs> It gets huge. He would be transformed into a different man. 
So what's your point, Pastor? As spinach is to Popeye, so is the grace of God to mankind. Woo! The grace of God will help me. It'll give me power to day by day by day to walk this thing out, to live a life full of Christ Jesus. Now go with me back into the, the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, chapter 23. Joshua 23, and I'm going to just paraphrase a little bit where we're going. Joshua's at the end of his life. And in chapter 23 and chapter 24, he gives two farewell addresses. These are his last words to the people of his land. Now, in my opinion, Joshua was a great leader. I mean, when you go back and study his life from, from being a slave in Egypt to seeing all the plagues take place to crossing of the Red Sea to seeing God feed him with manna, to see him go into the promised land with the other 12 and 10 of them say we can't and him and Caleb were the only two that said we can, to him ultimately leading them across the, the, the Jordan River until they came into Jericho and they marched around. So this guy saw a lot. This guy actually got to live in the promised land. So what I want you to see here just a little bit, in his farewell address to me, he's saying, I'm going to leave a legacy. And a legacy is what you want to be remembered by. Let me ask you that right now. What do you want to be remembered by? Do I want to be remembered as, whoo, he was a millionaire. He was an incredible businessman, which aren't bad things. But what do you want to be remembered by? Well, you'll get a little bit of his heart here, and I pray it stirs every one of us up in here. So we begin in, in George, uh, Joshua chapter 23, verse 1 and 2. Now it came to pass... A long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies, round about, that Joshua was old and advanced in years. And Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their, uh, their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And he said to them, I'm old and I'm advanced in age. So why would they listen to him? I believe the reason they listened to him is because they saw him live out what he talked about. He was just as powerful on the inside as he was on the outside. And so because of his leadership, it gave him a platform to speak into their life. Now here's, here's the farewell address or parts of it, starting in verse 6. Therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. It's interesting. In his farewell address, he says, you're going to have to be courageous. Why? Because it takes courage to serve God. If it didn't take courage, everybody would be doing it. And so he said, be courageous to serve God. All that is written in the book. In other words, live by the word of God. At least you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. So guess what he's telling us there? He said, if you don't purpose in your heart to obey the word of God, you're going to go to the right or you're going to go to the left. Either ditch isn't good, but you get a choice. Verse 7. And least you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods. This is powerful. 
He said, don't even mention their gods. Don't even talk about their gods. Why? Because he knew there was only one God. But here's the truth. Old gods never die. What I found about about old gods, they may have changed uniforms. They may have changed costumes. But they're still around. They're still here on this earth. What do you mean by old gods? Well, anything that replaces God, anything that becomes a substitute before God, anything that's a counterfeit, the God of pleasure, the God of food, the God of, of entertainment, the God of getting drunk, the God of getting high, the God of da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, how do I know those are my gods? Well, what do you give your time to? Here's another locator of what the God is in your life. Why don't you just look at your checkbook? Pastor, I don't know why I went to Chick-fil-A 63 times last week. Probably because your God is the God of your tummy. I know that may hurt, but I love you. Keep reading. Don't even make mention of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them. But you shall hold fast to the Lord. You shall cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. And this is his last words. He's telling them. You know you want your last words to count. Verse 9. For the Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. But as for you, no one has been able to stand against you to this day. One man of you shall cause a thousand, for the Lord your God, one man shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he has promised you. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves. Not to your neighbor, not to your brother, to yourselves. That you love the Lord your God, or else if indeed you, you do go back and cling to the remnant or the customs of these nations, these that remain among you and make marriages with them and go into them and they to you. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be uh, snares and traps to you, scourges on your sides, thorns in your eyes until you perish from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. And you know what I say? You can do it. But you're on the road to destruction. I don't care who you are, you're on the road to destruction. So I believe to a degree, you know what he's saying? Purpose in your heart. I'm going to serve God day by day by day by day. Crucify your flesh day by day by day. Turn to chapter number 24. Chapter 24. Verse 14 and 15. You may want to take a highlighter out. You want to take some good notes right here because this is incredible. Now, therefore, fear or reverence the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Now, the word seven, or serve here is very significant because you can count them yourself. In verse 14 and 15, He uses the word seven times. The word serve here means an allegiance exclusively for God. Or an allegiance exclusively to what or who you're going to serve. Now here's the deal, you're going to find out. 
You're going to serve someone or something. Every one of us in this room. So he starts out that, serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Now, I want to stop right there for a minute because I said earlier, those gods will try to resurrect. They'll try to come back. And so he's saying those gods from way, way, way back in your life, they have a pattern or a history to get back in your life if you allow them. And this is what he's warning them about. And he ends that verse and he says, serve the Lord. Here's the answer to all of it. Serve the Lord. Verse 15. And if it seems evil or undesirable to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day. Now when I look at that, every day when I wake up, I'm choosing. And he gives three options in this verse right here. And every one of us are going to choose one of these three. So we begin, he says, Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river. Those are gods way, 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 way back. But they're still real. How do we know they're real? There's a thing called generational curses. Generational curses come up through the bloodline of the father. Exodus 20 verse 5 says, that the iniquities of the father will come upon the children to the third and the fourth generation. So again, those gods that have been in our bloodlines, they'll try to resurrect, okay? I would be willing to bet every one of us in here have some form of generational curse. Pastor did you, pastor did. I had a generational curse called alcohol that dominated me for a few years. But guess what? When I got born again, Jesus set me free and out of the grave I came. I came running. I came running because of what Jesus did. That's the first one. The second one. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. The gods of right now. You know the gods of right now are very real? If you don't think they're real, just look at our society right now. And I could give you a list of the gods of our society right now. And every one of you, you would start nodding. Yes, I see that. Or... The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The great Jehovah. I'm going to serve one of those three. I don't care who you are. Now look at this last part here. But as for me, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I want to hold fast to his very first thought. As for me. And when he says that right here, it's a definite stand. It's a loyalty. It's an allegiance. It's something that he lived. And so again, when you go back and you read his life, you have need of endurance. Hebrews 10, 36. This was a guy who ran this race called Life Incredible. And you know what he's saying? As for me, he's saying, you know what? I'll be the example. I won't just tell you what to do. I'll even show you what to do. So he says, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. And he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So you know what he's saying there? He's saying, listen, if you're going to live under my roof, you're going to serve God. 
If you don't want to serve God, hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more. This was his thought right here. This was so real to him. This, this was alive in him. And he says, listen, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know what the rest of you are going to do. I can't vote for you. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And he did it. What an incredible leader. Turn just a couple pages and you'll jump into Judges. And i got to read this part. Judges chapter 2. And the reason I read this is because they did good for a little while. The Israelites. Judges 2 verse 7. This is what we'll end with. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. This guy was an incredible leader. You can see how he led the people of Israel. Now Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died when he was 110 years old. I want you to catch something there. It specifically said he was the servant of the Lord. How would you like that to be on your tombstone? Robert Bacon, servant of the Lord. I don't know about you. I, I don't want my obituary to say my name and say he was a scratch golfer. He wasn't, but we'll just say that. I don't want my obituary to say he, he, he was a sincere Texas Longhorn fan. He was a great singer. I'm telling you, I don't know that I could have a better thing said about me. He was a servant of the Lord. And he wasn't saying that about himself. This was how he was viewed. And so the next verse, verse 9, it's got a bunch of crazy uh, letters and words in there. So we skip verse 9, we go to verse 10. And when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. The phrase did not know the Lord, it actually means they did not acknowledge God or they didn't serve God. See, we can be that way. Even though Jesus died for you and he died for me. See, not only did he die for me and you, according to Romans 6 verse 5, that, that he died for us, but he rose for us too. And so Christianity isn't just about dying, it's about living. It's about raising from the dead and, and living this life to its best through Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.